Welcome to this episode of the Musician's Journey podcast. We are listening to D from Robbie Tucker's latest album Blue Candy. The other songs in this episode are from the same album and you can find the titles in the show notes. I have a correction to make here at the onset of the interview, which is that Robbie mentions Aaron Dahl, who was featured in episode 24 and the correct pronouns for Aaron are he and they. If you want to support this podcast, you're more than welcome to visit my page on Coffee, which I link to in the show notes, and see if you find something that suits you, ranging from a one-time tip to a monthly subscription. And it's also really great for me if you share this podcast with someone you think would like it. My name is Ragnil Westmark, and I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, if that helps the podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah. My name is Robbie Tucker. Uh, I'll tell you a little story about that. Um, my name is Robert Andrew Tucker, actually, my full name. The only person to ever call me by my real name, Robert, was my mother's mother. Nobody else has ever called me Robert. She always called me Robert. That's the first little anecdotal story. The second one is my initials spell rat. <laughs> so when we were in grade two, I think it was, 
the teacher thought it would be a fun idea to say, okay, let's all get in a circle and uh, let's see what our initials spell. <laughs> and I, I like, as a child, I was like mortified when they got to me and my name spelled rat. Of course, the other kids made fun of me, but it made me who I am today. <laughs> uh, wow. Actually, my initial spells uh, fox in English. Fox? Yeah. So we're oh, both cool. uh, we're both forest animals. Nice. Yeah. How uh, how far back does your musical journey go? Can you take us back there? Oh, uh, it goes back quite far. Uh, I remember, I don't know how old I was, but my mother was still here. So I probably would have been maybe seven, maybe eight, somewhere around there. And she got my father a guitar for his birthday, I think it was. I remember that it was summer, so it would have had to be my father's birthday and not Christmas or some other thing. And then they, they I don't know, I, I guess I showed interest and then they got me a guitar. Seems like they got me a string of guitars before we found one that worked. And it's actually still, it's downstairs. I still have it. So my dad was, uh, I didn't really know that he played, but he did when my mother bought him the guitar. So I got really interested and we, he was like, we would play Willie Nelson and Chris Gustafsson and take the ribbons from your hair and stuff like that. And they got me a guitar and we just kind of played together and kind of connected us more. So I actually always felt kind of bad for my brother because it seemed like he wanted to play too, but my father and I are right-handed. My mother and my brother are both left-handed. So he couldn't play the guitar because it was upside down. So I always felt like, ah, oh, Jason can't play it because he would pick it up and mess around with it. So it was a weird thing. But can't it be a benefit because you do quite intricate stuff with the left hand as well? I mean, can't it yeah. be a strength? It would be, I think, uh, it's more difficult to flick the guitar around and try to play it backwards. Yeah. I mean, it could be done uh paul mccartney talks about that in the early days of taking john or george's guitar and having to flip it upside down but he had actually learned to play 20 flight rock upside down because no one else that you know any of the musicians around him were left-handed i guess so it's the, the music started early on and uh i never really lost interest in it and you have made seven albums so far Seven solo albums. I did one other one that has myself, uh, music from myself, but there's music from some other people that I, this is, it's a soundtrack for uh, a series that I did called The Boy in the Bathroom Sink. So I kind of liked the idea. Of, I said, oh, I, I don't have a soundtrack. So that all, that kind of thought, oh, that's a good idea. So I don't consider that like a solo album. It's more of a, a compilation of songs, but it, there is a, like all new songs for me on it and other people. So, but Blue Candy is uh, the seventh. Yeah, that's your latest album that came out this summer. Yep, July thirtieth. Mm. Yeah, and there is a playlist on YouTube with uh, lyric videos of all the twelve songs. Yep, you got it. Yeah, yeah. and I. When I'm watching that, I'm really struck by the enormous amount of creativity that I'm hit with when it comes to the lyrics and the storylines mm. and the music and 
the videos as well, which are just cool. so authentic. Oh, that's so nice to hear. I love that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Just because as an artist, you, I don't know, you don't put all this effort and stuff so people will tell you that they like it. That's not why you do it. But you pour so much of your emotion and like who you are into this work. And so often, mostly all of the time in every song, when it's reaching the end or you reach a point that's like, oh, I always cry. I always, always, always am crying. Not all, all the time, but when I'm recording a lot of the time, when it hits you in the right spot and you're like, that's it. Tears. You just get so emotional because you have reached that point. You've connected. You've connected basically to yourself. It's, it's a remarkable thing. So when you put something like that out, you're putting a great deal of emotion and yourself out into the world. So when you don't, when you don't get the reaction that you feel it deserves, it's kind of, and that's not to say that it's not, but everybody's not going to come up and say to you, Oh, I liked your album, even though they might've listened to it. Um, It's always nice to hear somebody say, Oh, that resonates with me as well. It's just, as I said, it, it makes the music feel like it has come full circle. Like it actually, it fulfills its purpose because that's really all I guess I'm trying to do as an artist is to connect with other people. Yeah. And you have put so much work into these videos. I feel so happy when I see your hands, like putting handwritten notes in front of the yeah. camera and you have drawings and you have photographs and it must have taken a lot of time and dedication to make all of these. Can you say something about this process? Yeah, for sure. I I, I kind of knew that we were now in a place or, or we now are in a place where unfortunately people don't, well, maybe I shouldn't say unfortunately, it's just where we are in 2021. It's a different time. People don't listen to music the way they used to. People don't generally go buy a CD and then put it in their car and listen to it from beginning to end. There's a lot of people across the board that probably just plop down in front of the TV and say, oh, so-and-so has a new album, click play. Listen to usually one one of their singles or whatever it is. Um, But you need something to hold people's attention because you put out an album and normally if you don't do anything else, it just shows a picture of the album cover if you listen to the songs on YouTube. And I just thought, "Mm, I can do more than that. Um, So usually with me, uh, I don't want to say this and sound like I'm full of myself because that's not the case, but I never seem to have a lack of ideas. It's just, I'm like this with these lyric videos. It was just, Ravi, just start. And that was basically the hardest thing. I would get a good idea, but then trying to figure out how to do it. You know, this is a good idea. How do I do it? Well, just start the best way you know how and start filming. And that's generally how most of them went. You know, I wanted to have them all have a certain feeling, a certain vibe, but all feel like they were part of the same thing. What I discovered actually while doing the videos, because it's really the first time I've ever done that, I felt, oh, this is another part of it like I learned more about the songs by doing that Mm. 
you know, more about the story of some of the songs. So I really enjoyed it. Um, I had a lot of the videos had stamped lyrics. Yeah. And I had gone to the dollar store here and I think I paid maybe a dollar or two dollars just for like a stamp. So it's like every letter of the alphabet singly. And I stamped every song, all the lyrics, one word at a time, one letter at a time using that dollar store stamp. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I'm really happy in the end when like, if I sit down and watch them from start to finish, it's uh it's an experience. I, I hope that, that people do that, you know, it, it, an album to me is art. It's a, uh, it's kind of in a way, the new album cover lyric videos in a way, because you would once upon a time go buy an album and look at the artwork. This is kind of that version of that time. Right. Yeah. Do you buy CDs still? No, <laughs> I no. it's all digital. Yeah, actually, my boyfriend recently bought a CD when we went to a gig, and we we don't listen to CDs either. But it was still just really nice to to buy this thing and to see yeah. the photos and to get a fuller experience of what we had just been listening to. Yeah, I I feel like there's something that is lost without that. I mean, a lot of people still pull up put out records vinyl records and a lot of people still buy records yeah i think that probably people have discovered is the best way to listen to music but uh i don't know if there's anything after digital <laughs> maybe uh, people will really be craving the live experience after yeah. this digital craze I, i think that's the way i feel with all of these downloads and having endless options as to what to listen to i think i will come to a point where i will i will just stop subscribing to any of these streaming places and just yeah. hunting hunting the the concerts and the live yeah. music and the people who who maybe don't have a hundred million uh, listens and yeah. stuff like this yeah i feel that because there's so much of everything now that it all means less in a way Uh, it seems to me I used to have to drive for about 45 minutes to get to the mall to pick up a CD that I ordered that took maybe a month to come in, but was so excited and there was nothing better to close the door of my bedroom, put that CD in and listen to it. Yeah. It's just was such an experience. And now it's like, click, click, click. Uh, same with like movies, everything across the board. The easier you make things for people, the less they mean. Right. That's my opinion on that. Do you find that people buy your music on Bandcamp rather than just <laughs> going for the Spotify option? Uh, there are people that uh, that always do. The yeah. same people will always, they'll always pay double uh, because they want to support the music. But, you know, it might be, two or three people that always do um, <laughs> i think people just expect that now i was talking to somebody the other day and i sent them a link to my website oh you have a new album i'll check it out on spotify like i don't think that people think oh this person created something 
once upon a time I would have paid for it. And there's a lot of people that that still buy music on on Bandcamp. If if I find an artist that I like, I'll buy their album on Bandcamp. I have no problem with that. Even if I don't, uh, you know, I might listen to a song on YouTube or I might listen to it on Spotify just because it's easier in the car or whatever. Uh, I still <clears throat> appreciate the effort and work that they put into their art. But yeah, again, sadly, that's another thing that's kind of fizzling away. Mm, I think it will come back. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, something will change. Things always change. Yeah. It won't stay like this forever. No. <laughs> Hopefully. Because <laughs> uh, when I listen to the podcast episode where you're talking about relationships. Oh, uh, the Parkinson's one. Yeah. You also say that you can't earn a lot of money because then you might lose uh, your um, economical yeah. support. So how do you balance that? You want to make some money, I guess, but not yeah. too much. Um, it's it's a slippery slope that because I, I always feel they can always mail you out a letter at any time that says you have, you know, you're no longer eligible for this. And it just feels like, okay, the whole world comes crashing down on my head. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'll ever figure that out. Mm. Um, that's just, it's kind of been that way since I stopped working. I remember I came home. This is when I lived in Montreal. I came home to, for a visit and I guess I was home for more than seven days. You can't leave the province for more than seven days. And when I got back to Montreal, everything was canceled. So I had to like go and write a letter that swore where I was and why I did was longer than seven days. It was, so that stuff kind of always scares me because when the government says no, and they hang up the phone, there isn't a lot you can do. So I do what I do what I can just keep myself busy. And I mean, I'm I'm lucky to have family that uh, can support me when I need a little extra, but it definitely puts you in a space where you're like, okay, when you when you're feeling functional i have to do whatever i want to do right now because when i'm not going to be able to move it'll feel better if i've written a song or i've recorded something in that time when you when i can you don't want to spend all, all day on the sofa which sometimes was what happened so yeah because you were diagnosed with parkinson's uh, at 28 was it yeah and you started something uh, called Musicians Against Parkinson's? I did, yeah, early on. Is that still uh, up and running? <laughs> no. Musicians Against Parkinson's was my idea that um, we'd have concerts and raise money for people who, well, to raise awareness and use that money for people who needed wheelchairs. Or, But during the first five years of being medicated for me, I was on a drug, two drugs actually, that uh, changed a whole bunch of stuff in my life. They caused impulse control disorders. So I suffered from uh, personality disorder, hypersexuality, like just, I sold all of my, pawned all my instruments and just, I couldn't keep five cents in my pocket. It was just, and you know, I'm in a city that Nobody really knows me. Like my family isn't there. I, I have friends, but they only know Robbie from six months ago or whatever. So trying to 
be the head of an organization that did that and losing your mind at the same time yeah. didn't go hand in hand very well. And eventually it just, it just fizzled out. I ha- always had good intentions for it, but my health just took a serious dive and it just fizzled out. And uh, no one else took up the thread? No, no. Mm-hmm. I, at that point, I feel because there was no literature, there was nothing about these side effects that I was experiencing. And they're pretty like to tell the person you're dating, oh, I've been having sex with like lots and lots of other people, uh, like not sleeping and just smoking and drinking. So everybody, I feel like kind of took five steps away from me. You know, I, I kind of felt bad, first of all, as a person, because you're like, have I just become this horrible person? But then eventually, there's a news place here in Canada called W5. They published an article that was exactly what what I was experiencing. Two people who had the same experience. And then there was uh, lawsuits, um, two of them, one for each drug. And I got to go to court and say my piece and hear other people say, you know, what it had done to them. So all of that made me feel better as a person. And I just have to, I just had to accept how everybody else felt. Most of them were okay, but I don't know if if I sent you the documentary link, but uh, there was a filmmaker, Gabby Kieslet, who made a documentary about that whole thing. So you see my life explode on film. The night we did the premiere, there were people there that were like, what, like Gabby said, there's people here who don't like you because of what <laughs> happened in the film, which is wild. Uh, so after I got away from that, after I got off of that medication, which was not until 2010. So I was on that for five years and I couldn't control myself on it. I wouldn't go to bed. I remember going to an, an AA meeting just because I needed to get something. There was nothing for me. So just to get around other people who had the similar experience, there was this recovering cocaine addict that's like, and there was this one time I was up for a week. I was exhausted. All I wanted to do was close my eyes and go to sleep, but I didn't. I got out of bed and I went to find more cocaine And I was like, that's exactly how I feel. Same thing, just a different drug. So I would just go look for somebody to have sex with or cigarettes or booze. Uh, So once I I actually switched neurologists and he said right away, you need to get off this medication. And as soon as I get off it, it was like, oh, I'm back to normal again. So it was, you know, just to be so empowered by going to bed and, you know, and going to sleep to have control over your body and mind again was just, I just wanted to leave all that in the rear view mirror. Right. So the, the film musically medicated, it's yeah. called, yeah. it uh, stops before you quit these medications. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. I love the ending. <laughs> I always love the ending to the film, but it, it, it does stop before I get off it actually. So there's a kind of happy follow-up that we should be waiting for. <laughs> yeah, I say that to Gabby every once in a while. She actually had said to me one time she might she hadn't in the back of her head to do one 
in another 20 years and then another one in another 20 years if right. we're both still here yeah it was a beautiful film yeah oh she did a remarkable job on it yeah she's very talented yeah and also amazing that you had video footage from a young age as well yeah so you were into making videos already then uh, being yeah. a superman and disappearing yeah. and yeah i've always there's pictures of me always cutting construction paper or making mud cakes or was always doing something artistic so now when you make your videos uh which program do you use to make the videos yeah. uh, iMovie iMovie yeah i became very familiar with iMovie when i was doing the boy in the bathroom sink which is the series that I talked about earlier. And getting into video editing, do you have any tips on that? Do you just have to dive into it? And That's all I did. Uh, I had no idea until I opened the program and just taught myself. Mm. But iMovie is relatively straightforward and you can do you can do a lot with it. You know, especially for that those videos, there was a lot of uh, green screen stuff happening. So once you know how to use that and you have the idea and you know how to, to to do it, it's it's not a hard software to use. Right. I only dipped a toe into video editing this year because okay. as a yeah, you know, as a musician today, you don't have to make videos, but it uh, kind of feels like it's one of the things I should have out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel like you need a video for everything you have now. Yeah. Regardless of like the its level, I don't think it has to be like a full-on music video because I, I wouldn't say I refer to, to the videos from Blue Candy as as lyric videos. Yeah. Um. So I did all of them except for Nevermore. I had a friend, Daniel Adams. He and I collaborated on that one, so he did the the, the running character in the center of the video. Mm. But if you have a, a good idea, it's not hard to get it down. Right. Don't stop till you drop, keep your head around. Don't flop like a fish when you hit the ground. Don't rock to the top song, everything is like rock song. If you think about it sometimes. Nevermore for me was probably the most, uh, I don't want to say iffy, because I do love the song, but I don't know, it's, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange song, and when you watch it with the video, just the way Daniel has created that character and what happens at the end, it just takes the song, I feel like, to a whole new level. So it, I, it was the first time I actually realized that the video can actually elevate the song, mm. which is kind of one-dimensional, and the video kind of brings it completely to life. Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful video, and uh, uh, with the blue candy featuring in the end. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The first time I watched it, I lost my friggin' mind. Like. You are a genius, Daniel. He's like, there's been a few people that I actually worked with throughout my life musically and artistically. And Daniel is just one that 
he does music. He does graphic design. He he's written a book in the last year and a half. I never have to tell him any more than my idea because I know whatever he comes up with is going to be great. That I will love it, and it's never been the case that I haven't loved anything he's done. It's just like this mental, artistic, spiritual connection that we have. Mm-hmm. It's like you can almost see inside my head. Uh, there's also. Uh a frog and there's a tin soldier and you sing about the Beatles and there are yeah. lots of names. Yeah. Can you say something about where all these things comes from? Well, uh, the frog tattoo song is actually about the, the man that I was dating in Montreal, Xavier Tarien. He was in the, he's in the documentary and yeah. he has a, a tattoo right at the base of his neck. And when we were first dating and living together, when we would go to sleep at night, it would be staring me in the face, this <laughs> tattoo of a frog. So I just, you know, eventually imagined him and I having a conversation. And <laughs> that's all the song really was. But that to me uh, is probably one of the ones that I'm, I mean, I'm proud of them all, but I think the instrumentation in that one is quite unique. Um, and I always try to like, I always say, okay, where else can you take this? And I feel like when you open up your head, when you push yourself, your, your mind will take you to places you want to go, but you just have to be willing to not be mediocre. You have to be willing to say, let's see how much we can actually do. Because honestly, a lot of the stuff that I hear on the radio and on TV is like, I feel so in a way defeated that these people are making so much money off these quote unquote songs that sound exactly like anything that I've heard in the last year or month or, but I think it's important that we as artists try to be as uniquely 100% ourselves as we can. That's what you're trying to do when you're making music. You're trying to, you're trying to get who you are onto like a digital platform into something that you can hear or see. Um, I'm not trying to write, obviously, I'm not trying to write a hit song, a hit pop song. I've never tried to do that as far as I can remember. I just always love the, the, the task and goal of connecting with yourself that in that way, in that musical way. This probably marks, this album marks a, a very significant change because it's actually the first time I think to myself, oh, I really, really, really want to push myself and see what I can do. That's why I think the the bulk of this album sounds different than anything I've ever done before. Um, Just, you know, experimenting with electronic sounds. I mean, I've done it before to an extent, but uh, trying to, First of all, mix acoustic instruments and intertwine electronic instruments. It's almost like saying, I want to mix the past with the future. If you're trying to get an acoustic guitar to mix with weird garage band electronic sounds. But also, I've kind of always looked at writing a song from more of a Roy Orbison aspect. In the sense that Roy Orbison's songs weren't like a regular song. They weren't verse, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, and 
you know, they were stories. And I liked that. That always resonated with me. That Roy was such a, such a pioneer and such a different and unique and crazily strong voice he had. So that's still in me to like keep trying to be different than, well, I actually, I shouldn't say I, I'm trying to be different. I'm, all I'm doing is trying to follow what I'm hearing in my head and challenge that. That's what I actually did with uh, Emptiness of the Shallow Wolves. I was like, okay, I want to try and do an instrumental song that has no vocals. And there is no vocals, really. There's like ryth rhythmic things that I'm doing in it, but you couldn't call them vocals. So running through a take one, one evening or one morning, I just started howling like a wolf in the highest falsetto I could get out of my head. And I thought, oh, that's cool to try and create. If you listen to the the album or the, the track from start to finish, I think there must have to be a story that builds in your head because it, it is very, it has like a beginning and an arc and an ending. Um, and again, that's another example of when you take on making a video for that. That's a whole, that takes the song to a whole new level. My idea was to have, oh, this song could be like a representation of uh, archaeologists who found or stumble across cave art. Like I just saw in my head old cave drawings and the guys were in there with cameras that they discovered it and they were filming it. So it, it didn't end up actually turning out exactly as I envisioned it, which Few things actually ever do, which is kind of good. Um, I the, the, all the drawings that you see in the video are just pencil drawings that I've manipulated the color within iMovie. So some of it almost looks like if you were able to work it a little more, it could almost look like animation. But uh, that was the last one I did, and after that, I said uh, I need a little break. Because it was a lot to, to do. The videos, I think, took a month and a half, 12 of them, somewhere around that. The segregated tin toy soldier went walking up the hill. He saw our buddy He knew she lived way at the top The soldier wouldn't ever stop Trying to reach the top of the hill Tin Toy Soldier The video that I made for that That background that you see Was actually painted by my mother Now I might have been Seven or eight or nine When she did that painting And I can remember her sitting at the kitchen table Painting it and I was on the kitchen floor doing something. Um, so that, that to me was kind of a way to bring her back into my life for that moment. Even though the song is not, not about her, it just, you know, it kind of kept her beside me for that, 
you know, for that time. So that video is very cool to me. Um, probably my favorite song from the album is Dalton Walsh. I mean, I love the whole album, but I'm very proud of that song. It's like if you've ever heard Roy Orbison's Running Scared. It's a little bit like that. It's a story. The high note is not at the end like it is in a classic Orbison song. But again, in that song, I play just for just for one note. Um, it's like an old organ that my grandmother used to have in her bedroom. Remember, it was at the foot of her bed. So there's just that. I play that for like one, one, two, three, four bars or something. So that made that cool as well that I could kind of, kind of bring things back from my past into the into the now, which you know, I always find cool. So yeah, but this is the, I feel like there's a lot of magic in in making music. A lot of magic involved to connect you to things and people that are no longer here. Now, what are you doing to spread the word and spread your music? Well, uh, I have been, you know, emailing people from my mailing list, uh, messaging people like yourself on Instagram. That, to me, is my, I would rather say, here, it's done. Now you go promote it. <laughs> I'd rather have somebody else do that to do that because I really don't like that. I like this. I like talking about it, but uh, I'm not a fan of emailing and because I don't know. In my head, I'm always like, "Am I bothering this person? Yeah. Did I should I email them again?" Mm. But uh, yeah, basically just messaging people, private messaging, emailing, stuff like that. Yeah. Do you have a a loyal audience in your local town? Uh. I wouldn't say that I do, but I feel that I, I need a better advertising strategy. Like I feel like people who would like the music aren't hearing it because uh, I mean I post on Facebook and Instagram, but what I think is would be most helpful is compiling a mailing list of people. When you get a mailing list, I've heard that's like the best the best idea because 
you're emailing directly people who want to actually hear from you. When I post something on Facebook or Instagram, I'm under the assumption that people are seeing it but not reacting, which is probably not the case. So then I will direct message people, and then they're like, oh, I didn't even know you had an album out. So I've always been working towards this mailing list. But again, I only have so much functional time. It's already so much to try and record and get the get enough time to be able to sit down at the piano when I can function normally to play. Uh, when I'm doing something that I'm not a fan of, it, it gets harder. Mm. If I have to like research, I, I mean, I do it. I, I spend mornings researching places that I could send the songs to or podcasts or people that might want to interview. But uh, I'm a bigger fan of the music. Yeah. But you seem to be incredibly productive to me. And it looks like you're seizing the day. I, I like to make stuff. I said to myself, you know, I wanted to do like a really, really great job on this album. Because it, part of me was like, will this be the last one that I do? Uh, it probably won't be. Um, just because my functionality is going down and down and down. Um, over the summer, actually, though, I've been doing so much biking that you know, I'm in better shape than I've been in a long time and I feel better. So when the fall and winter months come and I need to fill in some space sometime, I'll probably, I mean, I have ideas for a new album, a few ideas, but uh, I feel like, I feel like I need somebody else on board, somebody that a publicist that uh, you don't just pay. Seems like you could you could just pay anybody to do anything. It'd be great to find a publicist that actually liked the music, you know, and believed in the music as much as I do to work with. And also, it's it's not always fun to do everything alone. You know, it's good to have projects where you're actually around another human being. Living with Parkinson's, you you end are I've ended up being alone a lot of the time, just because. You know, if someone's like, you want to go here? Well, I do, but I can't move. So I guess I can't. But I, I'm sure I will make something new. I mean, as I said, I've had, I have many ideas for upcoming albums. Are there some things that are related to music making that you do every day? I can't stop my brain at all. Uh, so normally when I'm on my bike, or walking, or moving if I go on a hike, particularly when I'm alone. It just, it happens. I'll hear maybe like the sound of a car horn will just beep, and then immediately something will start running in my head. And I have so much stuff recorded on my phone now since the beginning of summer. It's a wealth of, I mean, having that ability to just record yourself wherever you are is so cool, but in a way, like if you, if you don't use all this stuff you've created, it's kind of a waste as well. So when the fall comes and I start recording again, I have a whole bunch of ideas to choose from. And I, I, I don't know, I, people are creative in different ways, but I, I don't know where that comes from. Everybody is instilled with some sort of talent or ability. Melodies have always, melodies and rhythm just come easily it's like it's like 
Michael Jackson said, don't write the song. Get out of the way. That's the biggest mistake that musicians make. And he's right about that in a way that if you start trying to write a song and you're like, it's going to be this and I want it to be this and I want it to sound like this, you'll find that if you're open to the universe, the song is going to present itself to you, really. That's what he's, that's what Michael Jackson said about Billie Jean. He's like, just put the thought in my head that I wanted a funky bass line. And then a few days later, he just started to hear it. There's something about implanting a task for your brain and then just letting it go. Mm. And it, it will eventually appear there. I love going to bed at night when I'm working on a project because from the time I close my eyes till the time I fall asleep, it's just the idea machine starts working and it's turning, turning, turning. And you're like, oh, ideas, ideas. I'm obsessed with ideas. Do you also do uh, vocal exercises or guitar exercises? I did when I was recording, but I haven't been playing much since I stopped recording because mm. uh, you do need, you, know, you do need a break from it. You know, as much as I love it, I did Peppermint's the Christmas album in between doing blue candies. So uh, I, I wouldn't say I burned myself out, but I definitely needed a break, particularly after the album and the lyric videos. And then outside of that, there's still all the work of uploading your songs to the platforms, getting your lyrics everywhere they need to be, registering your songs. There's still a lot of work that goes beyond just recording. Yes. Website updating. Yeah, website updates, yeah. yeah. Keeping your social media and all that in check. Yes. Um, that's the least, that's the less fun part of it. As I say, I would rather have somebody just do that for me. Hmm. but uh, it's always nice to talk to people about the music. So that's the point. You make it, you want to have a conversation with somebody about it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why I'm doing this. It's yeah. uh, exceeded all my expectations. Cool. <laughs> and it has really, and it really makes me want to quit uh, Spotify and all of these things because I, I keep getting in contact with people who make really awesome music and yeah. things around it and they're not the type of people that you would discover through Spotify for example yeah so it just doesn't I, don't, I just don't want to be a part of that whole train the you know the sheep style of, of mm -hmm. doing things this I mean is a better place to discover musicians there's a few podcasts that I've listened to this being one of them uh, I forget the name of the girl that you had on She she was doing installations, like not so much songs as like she had speakers set up somewhere in a field. Do you remember? Do you know what uh, I'm talking about? Are you talking about Aron Dahl? I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of the most recent podcasts. Yeah. Just things that I never thought of, right? Yeah. That I was that made me go, oh, that's cool. Like she's very much trying to be inventive and creative. Yeah. Whereas a lot of what you hear on Spotify is not the case. If I go on Spotify and click new songs, I go through my six free skips pretty fast. <laughs> It's usually within a minute. They're all, they're all skip, skip, skip. Yeah. You want to have something that, I mean, when you eat your food, your meals every day, it's not always rice. It's not always white rice and 
soy sauce, you, you want to have something different. It's, it's so much fun and you get so much pleasure from eating things you've never had before. It's exactly the same with music. You want to hear things that you've never heard before. That's when I, when I think about what reaction I would want from somebody after they heard my music, I'd like them to say, Oh, I've never heard anything like that before. <laughs> you know, that's, that's reaction. I, I would be like, Oh, wow. That, that's perfect. That's all yeah. I would need to hear. Yeah. No matter what tone it's said in. <laughs> no matter, no matter what tone it's said in. Yeah. <laughs> bad good doesn't matter because mm. it would mean the same to me yeah is there something in particular that you would like to achieve as a musician uh i thought about this actually with this album because it did get some good reviews you know a lot of people have said good things about it but i'm still not anywhere better off financially And not to say, you know, making music is about money, but it would be nice to be able to not worry about that, to be able to just think about, oh, well, what's the next song going to be or what's the next project going to be and not have to, because for me, it becomes more and more that worrying about my future. Hmm. As my functionality goes down, it's like, oh, who do I get to drive me here? Or who do I get to do this? So Being able to, first of all, not have to have your hand out a lot of the time asking people for people for help would be a big bonus, you know, and just for you as a person being able to look after yourself 100%. I would like to be able to make music and create and just have enough money to not worry. I wouldn't want to be famous, I don't think, because uh, at the moment I, I can't perform live anymore. Um. Just that, I guess, financial stability would be phenomenal. Uh, and I'm not talking about billions and billions and millions and trillions of dollars. I'm just not much, you know, it wouldn't take much. You know, I, I love making music and I feel like I'll tell you something that I probably never said on a podcast or anywhere before. When I was, I guess, about 20 years old, maybe 21, 22, I was driving home from work which was about 45 minute drive and i was always you know listening to elvis or roy orbison in the car particularly live i've always been so into a live album i've always dug the live music over the studio stuff and i talked about that connection earlier of myself connecting with my own music and making myself cry When I would listen to some songs like Orbison crying or it's over or Elvis hurt uh, uh, or just bridge over troubled water when he would do that live would put so much effort into it and emotion that it would make me cry. I could feel that passion that they had, even though they're gone, they're both dead and it's happening on a recording. I still feel that so much. It's like the amount of times that my eyes have teared up over the same song that I've heard thousands of times i guess without knowing that's that's what i want to trend to translate to other people i want to be able to do that to somebody else so as i'm driving home i wish in my head that i would get a, i would get a disease so that people would know how much i loved making music and how much i would push myself to still do it regardless of whatever the disease was. 
Now that's a pretty weird thing for somebody, somebody to think, but I did and it happened and I'm still persevering. I'm still doing everything I can to make music. So I said to myself the other day, you kind of have the perfect life, Rob. You kind of have the, the life that you always dreamed of and the life that you wished for, literally, <laughs> which, which is kind of cool, creepy in a way. But uh, I, I think it's, I guess, it's so important to be lit up by something. It's so important to have a passion. What does the word musician mean to you? Uh, musician? Well... Some somebody, I guess, who, who makes music, but that that always kind of fascinated me as well. When you had the opportunity to write a song, for me as a musician, I'm not finished. That's just the bones. You just have the bones when you start the words or wherever you start. Maybe the bones is the wrong word. If you have the the basis for a car, you have the frame. If you think of the lyrics as the frame. Now you have to build the car. What's the car going to look like? How fast is it going to go? How many doors does it have? I think a musician is somebody who, who is innovative and inventive, uh, who's not afraid to, to be wrong in some people's eyes. Because really, I feel like when you connect with whatever you're trying to connect to, you're never, you can never be wrong. The song can never be wrong if it's right with you in the end. But... Blue Candy is out there. Uh, I've pretty much done my part, and I hope that people, if they find their way to it, that they enjoy it and that they are welcome to feel free and send me a message or email and let me know what they thought. I'm, I always love to hear that stuff. Have a little trouble, sad and lonely, beautiful princess moved on. Thank you for listening. See the show notes for links to Blue Candy's lyric video playlist, the documentary Musical and Medicated, and Robbie's Bandcamp page. If you have any comments to me, my email address is in the show notes. And you can also find this podcast on Instagram. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.